did the fade out. I did my own fade out. Thank you. Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 113. My name is CJ Trader and with me, as always, my two co-hosts who never zone out. First off, we have Just Dunks. Oh, I, I, hold on. I can't find the release notes. No. Or the, the show notes, rather. Yeah, let's, I'm looking. That, that's, okay. Brian, hey, Brian. <laughs> You're about to enter another dimension. A dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind. A journey into a wondrous land of imagination. Next stop, the no show notes zone. No. <laughs> I to pull back the curtain, guys. <laughs> What's a fourth wall? I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> so what they're alluding to is I accidentally deleted all of show all of Judge Cast's show notes that we've ever had um, forever. Yeah, they, they, they were all in one shared folder, and we Brian and I got a notification that this shared folder has been deleted. Okay, I can't say I accidentally deleted it. Obviously, no, it was on purpose. You did it, you did it on purpose, and then you <laughs> deleted the trash folder yeah on purpose but i you thought the folder was something else i thought it was a different judge cast folder not the show notes uh you will eventually live this down um <laughs> this is this yeah. is the thing that, that like this isn't actually that damaging so no. it's, so if it's, any listeners want to recreate our show notes yeah. for us, <laughs> just go listen. Go to ahead, create them in text files, send them to us. We promise we'll read them. Maybe. Where's the problem? My entire morph seminar was based off of the show notes for morph. So if I, how am I going to do future seminars? Like, I mean, they that is kind of relevant. <laughs> um, there were a few shows I wish we still had the show notes for. Like I think our layers episode, uh, obviously Jared Silva's episode. I had some um, good show notes for. Um, like our future FNM episodes, I had some things set aside for that. Yeah. And so, so to be clear, when he says the show notes, um, these these are not the show notes that we're talking that you see with the episode, right? The that yeah. you see with like when when you go look at our episode on our website, and there's this list of what the episode's about. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about like the the notes that guide us through the episode as yes. we go through it. The outline that we use to to discuss things in an orderly manner not that we do <laughs> yeah that's the idea oh well it's well this will be this will be like the first show that we've done without show notes in ever uh, no, no 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 there was that one episode brian that was just me and you and and cj wasn't on it fireside chats we, didn't have show notes oh. we did we did that one without show notes also fire fireside chats did not have fireside show notes. chats did indeed have show notes did or it? because yeah because we had like little the little topics that we wanted to talk about all right it was well, brief but it was there and like now it's cookies gone. like yeah that's true i'm sure that's right is... it means we can go back and listen to the episodes and we'll be surprised by things yeah i'm sure this is riveting to the audience but um, the show notes are exiled <laughs> forever they are never uh, coming back they're, they're in so, the absolutely removed yeah from the game forever zone yes a wall a wall is my favorite joke that doesn't work anymore <laughs> yeah um oh. Because there is no longer a removed from the game zone, uh, which is actually really interesting because cards still reference it. So what is that now? Exile. Exile zone. Sweet. I mean, there was never a removed from the game zone. Really? Yeah, it was removed from the game. That's why you were able, you used to be able to glittering wish or whatever. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, right. today's episode is about zones and in a normal game of magic, there are only seven zones. Those are 
The Library, Hand, Battlefield, Graveyard, Exile, Command, which is used in real games of Magic, and the Stack, which I think sometimes people don't understand is a real-life zone. Yes. There's also uh, another zone. Yeah. Called the I bet, you can't, I bet you can't think of it. I just did. <laughs> oh. Um, you know, let's get it. Let's get it out of the way right now. The anti zone is not important. It's some old cards reference it. Nothing will ever use it again. Any any card that has the word anti on it is not legal in tournament play. Yeah. The rule is obsolete. It is not used. Uh, if you're interested in anti, go look it up. But we're not going to talk about it here. Did did you uh, did you know that if you mix a zone and an anti zone together, they explode? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Look at that. <laughs> Star Trek taught me so much. So within zones, there's the concept of public and private zones. So public zones, those are zones where everyone, all the cards in a public zone are face up unless something else is making them face down, like Morph or that clone shell guy or yes. things like that. Some things exile cards face down. Yeah. But... So the uh, the public zones are the uh, the graveyard, the battlefield, stack, exile, anti, and the command zone. Those are all the public zones. So everything in those zones are naturally face up. Obviously, some things can mess with that. There's also the concept of uh, ownership of zones. Mm-hmm. This one's pretty interesting, actually. All right. Um. So just that. You have certain like my hand is mine and your hand is yours, right? This is what you were talking about, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, but things like the and I have a graveyard and you have a graveyard and libraries uh, and I have a library and you have a library and, and these we we have our own zones. But exile zone, for example, is something that we share, and, and so the, nobody can own that zone, um, which is. It's an important distinction for a lot of card mechanics. The The battlefield is also a zone that while you, you know, you put stuff on your side and they put your opponent put stuff on their side. It's it's one zone. It's a shared zone. So, you this know, is why. Yeah, this is why it becomes interesting, because you have situations where I can own a permanent that for all intents and purposes is on your side of the the quote unquote board. Um, this happens if you take control of one of my permanents that has my equipment on it, um, or or I I play say a pacifism on your guy and I I own and control that pacifism, but it's on your side of the board. Um, so there's no like uh, we. This is why there's no ownership of the battlefield. Yep. And if you if you also think about it, like I would never like you, even though my disenchant is on or my pacifism is on your side. And you disenchant it. Well, it's never even the, it's going uh, from the battlefield to the graveyard. It's going to my graveyard. OK, it's not going to yours or anything like that. It gets to go to mine, even though it's on your side of the board. And that's kind of one of the things where if an object uh, would go to uh, a library hand uh, or graveyard other than the owners, it's going to go to its owner's zone. So maybe that's something we should we should specify now, the difference between owner and controller. Okay. Because that's kind of important to the concept of, uh, of zones. So the owner of an object or a card or whatever is 
Uh, if you're the owner of a card, it's the person whose deck it began in. You are the owner. Uh, if you put an object on the stack, you are the owner. Um, if you made a token, the token's also. If you made a token, the effect, the, the controller of the effect that made the token is its owner. Uh, or or the person whose control had entered the battlefield under, if it yes. was not the the creator right. of the effect. So, so, so you always have an owner. There's always an owner of everything. Um, but certain, uh, uh, certain zones also have the concept of controller. And those two zones are the battlefield and the stack. Okay, so you do not have a controller in exile. You do not have a controller in your hand. You do not have a controller in your graveyard. You do have a sense of controller on the battlefield. You can steal, you can gain control of that, and you can, same thing with the stack. Like, you can't gain control of a person's creature card in the graveyard. Doesn't make any sense. Alright. Alright. Uh, we actually didn't talk about hidden zones yet. We talked about oh. public zones, but not hidden zones. Uh, so the library in the hand, those are the hidden zones. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, what might not be obvious to everyone, though, is even if your hand is revealed, it's still a hidden zone. Like, nothing... You know, even but it's not hidden. It's all out I know, there. I Telepathy. Know. I can see everything. But it's not still a hidden zone. All right, let's talk about changing zones. So what happens if something goes from the battlefield to exile or from my hand to the stack or any zone change? Uh, it becomes a new object. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the times that something becomes a new object are is if it leaves... A zone and goes to another one even if it comes right back to the same zone it becomes a new object and if it is in exile and it would go to the exile zone from exile which is really convoluted but can happen it becomes a new object okay and there's a few exceptions to what just just said because that's how magic works we make some rule and then we have a bunch of exceptions to it um so if something has changed the characteristics of a uh, a permanent spell on the stack before it enters into the battlefield, enters the battlefield, like say Deathlace has made it yeah. black, it continues to be black after it enters the battlefield. Those those really are like the go to, the, uh, the go to spells for to illustrate this rule, and those things haven't been in print since revised. I, I know there was something in Kamigawa, wasn't there? Like a Moonlace or something. But yeah, there's not a lot of lot of cards that can change yeah. the color of a spell on the right. stack. Right. And that was because I think the card actually said, you know, it's like, hey, you can change the color of a spell on a stack and then when it resolves. So this is kind of like an exception that's there because an old card kind of made it an exception. Boom. Yeah. So uh, another one that applies that is an exception to changing zones. These are all very deep. Like these aren't these don't come up often. But if uh, if an object on the stack, a permanent spell on the stack, so permanent spell means creature, planeswalker, something that's going to enter the battlefield when it oh, resolves. Yeah. Okay, just 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 made a good point. And um, the exceptions aren't to the fact that it's a new object. It's the exceptions are to the fact that uh, um, when an object changes zones, it has no memory of its pre its previous zone, what it was in the previous zone. That's yeah, true. It, yeah, it doesn't know anything about what what it was. This this is the things it can remember is the list of what we're going through right now. Yeah, I don't. Is there a functional difference though, really, between saying it's a new object? Um, yes, because yeah. other continuous effects won't apply. 
Uh, right. So, so specifically a functional difference with things like, um, uh, you know, if it leaves the battlefield and comes back immediately. Um, right. You flick, you blink it or something know. like that. And you're just like, yeah. oh, well, I can't. Uh, my my terror lost track of it because it disappeared for a second. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. All right. That, yeah, that's actually a really good one. All right. So, um, and note that that first one in this one I'm about to talk about are only from coming to from the permanent spell on the stack to the battlefield. Uh, but if you have a prevention effect on that permanent spell on the stack, this is, this is one of those things you can use to stump your judge friends. Um, and that becomes a permanent, the prevention effect still applies. So if you have something that says like prevent two damage from any one source and your opponent is casting a 2-2 uh, bear cub with haste, uh, you could say, well, with that thing on the stack, I know that's going to attack me. Um, I'll go ahead and choose that as the source to prevent the damage from, and then when it resolves and attacks you, it will still have the damage prevented. Yeah, and this this is also one of those one of those weird weird rules that's kind of a holdover from the the good old days of Magic. I can't remember the exact scenario that this used to that this that triggered this. Yeah, it's not. creation of this rule, but it's not it's not, it's not cards anybody ever plays with. <clears throat> All right, now we're getting, we're getting even deeper. Uh, these, yeah. This one is more like, yeah, of course, um, than a actual exception. But basically, a permanent after it resolves, if it needs to know about um, choices made when it was cast, it remembers them. So like a creature with kicker, you know, it can remember the fact that it was kicked and triggered. Or X. Like if it's got X in its casting cost or something like that. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah, that'd be remember. Yeah, so, you know, it's, I don't know. It's weird. Uh, here's the the rancor rule. Rancor. Yeah, you're from you're from Georgia. You can say rancor. Okay, rancor. Uh, <laughs> Was that, is that like an anchor, like a ship? Yeah, like, rancor. Man, man, I'm glad we all have this rancor. We can attach the ship to the to the bay and stay here. Man, like, <laughs> he was angry. He had some real rancor. Isn't Rancor like that thing that uh, Luke Skywalker fights in those pits? The I Rancor pits, the, I think. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that is true. I think they put more of an emphasis on the core, so it's a Rancor. Rancor. That's what I say. You said Rancor. Anyway. <laughs> this is what happens when we don't have show notes. <laughs> so if you have an ability that triggers when something moves from one zone to another, such as Rancor, which says when Rancor is put in, into a graveyard from the battlefield... It can still find the new object that it became in the zone it moved to when the ability triggered if that zone is public zone. Uh, so this is one I know Brian loves to get people with. Yeah, well, this one and the next one. Yeah, but if, if you think about it, okay, for, for a second, you go, when Rancor is put into the graveyard from the battlefield, so the way zone change triggers work is this this actually triggers, like it looks back in time and triggers, so it triggered from the battlefield. And it's asking about Rancor, but Rancor is no longer on the battlefield. Rancor is now in the graveyard. So it's a new object. So it can't find it. Yeah. With the exception of this exception, you know, it, it just basically, it's one of these things where it's, if you just read the card, then obviously you're going to do what it says. But if you know a little bit of the rules, you're going to be like, hey, this card doesn't work. And then if you know a lot about the rules, which you do because you're listening to this podcast, right. you'd be like, nope. It's one of the six or seven exceptions to 407, 400.7. Yeah, there was, um, I, I, I'm sure I brought this up on the show before, but like when I was first learning to be a judge, 
your your knowledge kind of goes like as it goes up your your confidence in how things works really goes away and uh, i remember for a little bit like an hour we'll say i was like wait i'm not sure protection works because <laughs> because i learned abilities on the stack have have are colorless so i'm like wait can can you ping something with protection like all of a sudden i'm like wait what's going if the ability is colorless how can you do it but that's actually a really interesting difference uh with how the game rules work versus how magic online represents the game rules working yeah yeah uh, because on magic online uh, which you'll know if you play um it shows an object on the stack having a color which they don't uh, or their so, abilities don't. So, so magic they're, they're, online does something different from real magic, and it what? does it in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so what it actually uh, is is, let's say I activate my uh, cutting spark mage, which is a red permanent uh, that deals one damage to target creature or player. So I activate cutting spark mage. I put that ability on the stack. That ability is not red, but since the source of that ability is red, things with protection can't be targeted by or dealt damage by it yeah so 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 it actually specifically says in the protection rules that that also applies to abilities whose sources are that quality yeah and that's what someone had to point out to me but for a little bit there i was like what how does that yeah that confusion makes total sense yeah so uh and brian was touching on this but same same thing like rancor is uh if you have an aura that has a trigger when the permanent is enchanting leaves the battlefield the trigger can find that aura as well. Yeah, Angelic Destiny is is the go-to example since it says when enchanted creature dies, return Angelic Destiny to its owner's hand. Normally, what's if the creature dies, it's going to die and go away, and then state-based actions are going to check, and you're going to see the Angelic Destiny sitting all by itself, and then the Angelic Destiny is going to go away. And then the trigger is going to be put on the stack, and then Angelic Destiny's trigger is going to be put on the stack. And you go like, well, wait, hold on. How's this this work? It works because there's an exception. I don't even know this next one, so I'll just read it verbatim. Uh, and if an effect grants a non-land card an ability that allows it to be cast, that ability will continue to apply to the new object that card becomes after it moved to the stack as a result of being cast this way. Uh, what is this? Two. I think, I think this is... Is it's either this one or the next one is that Jora of the V2? V2. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about. Uh, if an effect grants a non-land card an ability that allows it to be cast, that ability will continue to apply to the new object that that card becomes after it is moved to the stack as a result of it being cast this way. Why would it still need to be able to be cast? It's already on the stack. No, oh, I can't remember. If we, if uh, we this, is for, this is for delay. This is for delay. Delay. So, so delay counters a card, exiles it, and gives it suspend. No, uh, I so think that, that's so where the next one can perform action. The resolving spell or activated ability can perform actions on an object that's moved from the zone because you exile it, then you get it uh, suspend, and like you you exile it, and then you give it suspend. So you can you're giving it suspend after it's been exiled, so it's a new object. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that doesn't apply there, huh? I uh, guess so. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna. You know, I'm gonna research this while we're talking. 
I'm sorry I started reading these exceptions. They started off okay. <laughs> they just went downhill. Uh, okay, next. If an object in the exile zone is exiled, it doesn't change zones, but it becomes a new object that has just been exiled. Uh, this There are certain ways to exile cards that are already exiled, um, usually involving replacement effects, I believe. Yes. So it still becomes a new object, even though it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. And some notes about objects being outside the game is not in a zone but the only thing in tournament magic that's outside the game is your sideboard yep. all right now we can talk about yeah it's i'm sorry go ahead i was gonna say we could talk about specific zones but if you want to add something about that i'm um, not really no, no 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 uh you i was just gonna come up with an example for the new object that's been exiled thing but we really don't need it please go on <laughs> <laughs> all right the library your magical book of spells or whatever. I have a I have a magical spell book. Yes. Can I can I shoot magic missiles in the darkness? I love this rule. <laughs> when a game begins, each player's deck becomes his or her library. So I guess before that, it's just your deck. That's so actually correct. <laughs> yep. What's the difference? Like, what's the matter? Uh, you don't have a library during the pregame procedure. I guess I guess if I have another deck next to me. I can't search that library for a basic land card or whatever because it's not a library yet. That's, uh, that's mostly a joke. That's mostly a joke. Let's not even. <laughs> All right, I think everybody knows a library is a face down pile of cards. That's why you can manifest from it. It's already face down. Uh, if something would make you put two or more cards on the top or bottom of your library at the same time, you get to arrange them however you like. Um, I understand this episode is a little bit of a laundry list of rules, but there's not much that can be helped there. <laughs> That's like the what it's, can happen in a zone is just a jumble of things. Yeah, it's it's mostly straightforward. And then you've got these you got the here's the way it works, except for the times it doesn't. And we have to list those and then we have to list a few other things. So like, eh, it's not that bad, CJ. It's all right. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Do we want to talk about <laughs> Ah, uh, sure. So it could theoretically happen where you have to draw a card while you're casting a spell. Oh, jeez, uh, <laughs> we're going deep. We're going. Hey, well, well, this is zones, man. Okay, all right. Remember, remember before the show, you said you can't go deep on zones. Oh yeah, I said. I actually said that. Soon. Oh yeah. No, 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 no. I said we were going to go deep. It was. It yes. Was, yes. You're right. All right. Uh, okay. Do it. All right. It can be done using chromantic something. Sphere. Thank you. Uh, chromantic sphere. Sphere. Uh, it's theoretically possible to draw a card while you're casting a spell because it's a mana ability which has you draw a card and you activate during your mana abilities. And they will never make another card like this. No, they Except, will not. Like, unless it's conspiracy. If something they makes hate you us. do that... You you set that card aside face down and you don't get to know what it is until after you've finished casting the spell and then you can put it into your hand. Um, and if something is telling you to reveal that, you just hold on to it until the spell has well, it's become in, cast. It's in, it's, I think it's in your hand. It's in your hand. You, it's just not physically in your hand. Like it's in the zone, your hand. It's in your it's in your hand yeah. face away from you so your opponent can see it. <laughs> right. Uh, no, it's I'm like just kidding. A, it's like a double face card, only you don't get to see 
the, the you only get to see the backside of it. Um, yeah, so it's it's in the zone your hand, but yes. not in your physical hand. Yes, got that. Oh. All all you people that that English is not your first language. So it's what, in if, your what, hand, if, what if what if so it's what not if the hand? So I have a, a really important question with that. Please do. What if the spell has an additional cost of discarding a card? Can I discard the card I don't know the identity of? I say yes. You're, you're so going deep, man. <laughs> <laughs> because, because then you're gonna then you're gonna ask. Then because then you're Do gonna I get to look at it. You're gonna ask something like, "Well, what if it makes me discard a red card?" <laughs> yeah. And am I gonna be able to discard that? <laughs> the answer is. And the answer no. Is no. It has no characteristics while it's face down. Right. <laughs> this is I also know, another. I, you were going. This point also illustrates the fact that face down, as we've talked about before, only really has meaning in on the battlefield and on the stack. Anywhere else, it just means face down. It doesn't mean it's a 2-2 or anything. Because uh, this is a face down card in your hand temporarily. It's not like a random creature. It just has no characteristics at all. Just like every card in your library is not a 2-2 because it's in your library face down. <laughs> but it's a creature card. It's face yeah. down. All right. I don't think we need to talk about any of the rest of this. <laughs> no, let's do it. If an effect causes a player to play with the top card of his or her library revealed and that particular card stops being revealed for any length of time before being revealed again, it becomes a new object. <laughs> Why do these rules apply? There must be some that, that corner one, case. Uh, that one is... Uh, uh, I don't actually know why that would ever be relevant. Yeah, I mean, I, it's easy enough to make it happen. You know, there, there's it's probably a card somewhere. Oh, isn't there something that gains the gains the ability of something on top of your library? Yeah, but I don't there know why the, things again. But I don't know why it would matter if it's a new object or not. Because if it if it was something like a root walla that only lets you activate the ability once, if it becomes a new object, you'd be able to activate it you. again. Look at the big brain on Brad. <laughs> I'm always thinking about root wallas. <laughs> root wallas. All right, Man, we nailed it. Something else to do with a root walla. That is amazing. <laughs> um, this is what happens when we don't have show notes. <laughs> but you know what? The, the only way to make that happen, because the card that gains the abilities of the things on the top of the library would have to have died and come back anyway. Why? Well, otherwise, why did you stop revealing the card? No, 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 because there's there's uh, skill borrower lets you it has the abilities of whatever's on top of your library. Right. Uh, so but does it make you reveal? Uh, like, how are you going to stop revealing and reveal again? Scry? Will Scry do that? Uh, yeah, I guess Scry could do that. Does well, what that if count? what if what if you uh, uh, what if you've got the top card of your library and you've got a spell or ability that makes you look at the top three card? No. I don't know. You mean scry? <laughs> <laughs> and then what do you do with those three cards, Brian? <laughs> you look at them, and then you can put them back in any order. So right. that, there you go. There you go. You get to look at the top three cards of your library, and then you get to put them back in any order. This is okay. And what if you got? What if you've got three root wallas? Those top three cards are three <laughs> root wallas. Yeah. Yeah. Those, Jeez. Those for me, they are. Because you can't verify that it's the same cards yeah. same root walla yeah i think uh, that's so, it I think that's i'm it. sorry listeners at home this is fast becoming the second <laughs> worst episode we've ever had. <laughs> oh, come on. this is this after, the title after, of this episode after more about root episode, after we get done i want to have a discussion about what you think is the second worst episode 
This I really do. No. I don't think this is the second. No, version. I'm kidding. Yeah, obviously. Uh, All right, let's talk about the hand though. Uh, I love this first this, line. The name of this episode is more about Rootwalla than you really wanted to know. Yeah, um, I love the first line of this hand rule though. The hand is where a player holds cards that have been drawn. Thanks, <laughs> thanks rules. That's that's right up there with with the participants of a game or players, <laughs> <laughs> or or a game or a game with more than two players is a multiplayer game. Cards can be put into a player's hand by other effects as well. Somehow this became like a Mystery Science 3000 on <laughs> the rules. I love it. This is what happens when you say we don't need notes, just go with the rules. Yeah, right? just go with it. <laughs> All right. I oh. am having a blast, by the way. I don't know if you guys... Uh, yeah, there, so there's really nothing much to say about the hand. There's a maximum hand size. There's a maximum uh, hand size. You can't look at other players' hands. Yep, because it's a hidden and, zone. And, but you can count their cards... Uh, and you can rearrange your cards as much as you wish, uh, which leads to Kibler shuffling. I would like uh, to, I would like to appeal to Mr. Tavak to remove uh, part of this uh, part of the rule that allows the Kibler shuffle. Yeah, you know, people always are like, well, if you could remove any rule, what would it be? And uh, and people bring up the maximum hand size a lot, but really, they need to look one down. Like that's the one we need to remove. <laughs> this yes, may arrange may arrange really this or her I hand in a convenient fashion. Not, not the flicking. I really want to, now I just want a t-shirt that says CR402.3, the Kipler shuffle. <laughs> or, uh, I think, I think I told you, uh, uh, an L1 judge used to write, um, uh, articles for Gathering Magic called the Land of War Sentinel. And they were like little tiny, like onion type article blurbs. And it was due, she, it was due every Monday and every Sunday night I'd get these messages where it's like, Hey, I need ideas. And one of the ideas I came up with was card flicking is declared USC minor. <laughs> and I, I like that idea. Uh... I like that idea a lot because that would probably mean your events would be really, really short because everyone would uh, start getting game losses pretty quick. Pretty much. That would be bad. I like that. So the next the next that that would that would cause some people to fight about it, I think. Would they which fight is, on a battlefield? They would fight on a battlefield, which is the next zone. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Once again, I love the first line. It's most of the area between the players represents a battlefield. It's just like, okay, what does that mean? That's better than like that's better than the alpha rule book, which is a short aside. I was in DC recently, stayed up with a friend of mine who pulled out his old magic cards and he had like an alpha rule book and an Ice Age rule book and like an Alliances starter pack rule book. And reading through these was the most fun I had in a long time. <laughs> I know the other one has the like a little short great. story in it. Yeah. Yeah. They they they, 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 did, they definitely explain that, you know, the area between the the, the players is uh, it doesn't use the word battlefield. I think it uses a different word in play. No, it uses a, a flavor word. Oh, yeah. Like a combat and, yeah, zone or something. Something crazy. Yeah, but like it's it's much fun to read these. If you ever have the chance to get your hands on an alpha rule book, read it. It's hilarious. There's a there's definitely a scan of one out there somewhere on the Wizards website because I've read it. I've seen it before. At least that's short story, if nothing else. Um, all right. But let's talk about the battle zone. Battlefield. Battle zone. The battle zone. <laughs> the battle zone. All right. So. All your permanents are on the battlefield. Everything on the battlefield is a permanent, and only permanents can be on the battlefield. Unless it's a face-down uh, lightning bolt That's manifest. That's still a permanent, because it's face-down. But, but, oh. Another important thing is, is spells and their abilities, they only affect or check 
the battlefield unless they specifically say something else. So if you say um, creatures you control get plus one, plus one, well, your creatures in your library aren't getting plus one, plus one, or the ones in your hand aren't. Right. So this is this is this is one of these one of these questions where people ask, you know, well, well, can I do this? Can I do this? What creatures does it affect this? And it's basically, it's always on the it's it always refers to the battlefield unless it says somewhere else. Yeah, and it might be worth mentioning that this used to be called in play or from play into play, whatever. If any cards say anything like that, they've been eroded to say a battle zone. I just call it the battle zone from now on. The battle zone. All right, graveyard. A player's graveyard yeah. is his or her discard yeah, pile. Before we get on, that's all there is to the battlefield? That's it? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Oh, right? yeah, there's nothing about perhaps placements of certain permanents? Is that what you're getting at? Uh. There's nothing that says the lands have to go anywhere specifically. Right. So lands lands in front of creatures, lands behind creatures, lands to the left of creatures. There's no requirement to have those things oriented in any way as long as it's clear. Yeah, there's a there's another rule elsewhere that says, yeah, you have to keep it clear. Uh, but beyond that. So I, I, I walked up to a game uh, in a pre-release once with there was a another judge, actually a level three judge and a level two judge playing this game. And they had called me over to ask a question and their permanents were all over the battlefield. And by all over the battlefield, I mean, they had their lands on the other player side of the board just because they could. Mm, good. good for them. And, and then they asked me a question about the board state. <laughs> and I'm like, so, I, I have no way of following what's going on, guys. All right. I have a, I have a question. Are you guys are you guys uh, lands lands behind creatures or lands in front of creatures kind of guy? Uh, lands behind. Although when I was taught, it was lands in front. I had to switch. I go with lands behind for most decks. Although there are a few decks I play where I change how I order my my cards, um, depending on you know what's important, right? Like if I was playing legacy lands, I might do things differently. Um, or if I'm playing, if I'm playing uh, Dredge, uh, Dredge in Modern, or I'm sorry, in, in Legacy, I might uh, put the graveyard out in front, which is also not ruled as to where it should be. Um, so I mentioned this because I was actually called a monster because of the way I play with my lands. Uh-huh. Uh, I play them. I play with them in columns next to my library, like uh, like horizontal that is columns. how i learned that is how i learned how to play magic and so, i was quickly taught that that is not the right way to do it i so was corrected i've got i've got my my library on the on the on the right side with the exile zone above the library and the graveyard below the library and then my land in two columns next to my library and the rest of it is just where i throw all my creatures and and stuff like that and i was called a monster <laughs> for that because it was just like it was like it's not even lands in front of creatures; it's lands beside creatures. You're a monster. Monsters sometimes they come from graveyards. Sometimes they do. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right. So graveyards are your discard pile. Yeah. Uh, anything that. Pretty, pretty much anything that you're not using anymore, if it's countered or discarded, destroyed, sacrificed, or whatever, is is put on the top of the graveyard. 
Um, and anything that's finished resolving, any instant sorcery that's finished resolving goes to the graveyard. Yeah. So permanent spells go to the battlefield when they finish resolving. Instants and sorceries go to the graveyard when they finish resolving. So, Jess, I have a question. You made a very specific point about pointing out that they go on to the top of their owner's graveyard. Yes, which is very relevant. Why is in, that? In Legacy, uh, which if, if you don't play Legacy, it doesn't matter so much. If you don't, if you're not playing any other format, pretty much, you can rearrange the cards however you want. But if you're playing a format where there are cards that care about the order of the cards in your graveyard, like Legacy, then you cannot reorder cards in your graveyard. And in Legacy, you'll find cards that care about things like if this is the third from the top, or if there is a black creature above this in your graveyard. All right. Yeah, I think it's interesting to note that according to the basic rules of the game, you're not ever allowed to reorder your graveyard. Um, Now, I believe it's a magic tournament rule that lets you do it in certain formats. Basically, any format that doesn't have those kinds of cards, Jess was just saying, which I I think it's Urza Saga and before. Yeah, those are the cards that do have those. That's the sets that do have those kinds of cards. Um, so, like, particularly in Commander, I would say you, you shouldn't be reordering your graveyard. Now we all do anyway, but you shouldn't be because those right. cards could technically be in there. And and if you'll notice, uh, on recent cards that let you pick cards at random from your graveyard, typically have you shuffle your graveyard Uh because that you now, because most players, when they want to pick something at random, they're going to shuffle their graveyard. Well, you're breaking a rule. Okay. But if the card tells you you get to shuffle it, well, suddenly you're not breaking a rule anymore. Hmm. And then along the same lines, uh, if, if two or more cards are going into your graveyard at the exact same time, you can order them however you want. So if you're being milled or a bunch of creatures just died or whatever, you can order them however you want for the formats where that matters. <clears throat> all right let's get into the stack stacks a little more interesting yeah it's actually got that's the like twice as long as the next longest zone as far as rules go so uh so when a spell is cast okay you take it from the you take the physical card from the the stack is is where all the spells are okay where the spells are resolving it is a zone um, it's kind of hard to imagine, but, uh, yeah, cards, you know, when you cast a spell, you take it from your hand, the graveyard, exile, wherever you are casting it from, and you place it on the stack. Yeah, as far as magic is concerned, like, we, we kind of mix terms a little bit, but a spell is something that is on the stack. Uh, uh, the only things on the stack are spells or abilities. Nothing else is ever on the stack. Uh, so something is not a spell, you know, when it's on the battlefield, when it's in your hand, anywhere else. Now, we tend to also use spell as a short shorthand for instant or sorcery sometimes, but that's not true. Yep. So if it says counter target spell, yeah. well, you can't be like, oh, that creature, that... Uh, uh, you know, that Luxodon Warhammer that's on the battlefield, uh, that's a spell. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to counter that. It's like, well, no, spells only exist on the stack. You know, all oh, that sorcery in your hand, I'm going to counter it and make you discard it. No, it doesn't work that way. Uh, so, the, so the next thing is when we talk about items resolving on the stack, so this is going to get into timing and priority, but the stack keeps track of the order 
in which spells or abilities were added to it. So each time uh, you're going to put uh, an object onto the stack, you put it on top of everything else that's there. So you create, hey, a stack, like a stack of pancakes. You know, when you make a new pancake, you put it on top of the stack of the old ones, probably after you put butter on the previous one so it melts and gets all in there. S, just like that. Just like that. That's your stack. <laughs> and then what's going to happen is when things come off the stack, it's like it's like a weird person that doesn't like cut down in all the layers. You just eat the top pancake. Who does that? I don't know. Magic. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and then at that point in time, you know, someone might put another pancake on top of your yeah. stack after you. No, ate no, no, that. So, so the problem is pancakes use still use like pre six edition rules. We resolve them in batches. You eat a bunch of pancakes at once. <laughs> no, no. Okay. Let's not, let's not be confusing. <laughs> well, now, how do you handle waffles? <laughs> hmm. I haven't decided yet. I go back and forth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so, so. Uh, there is one exception, and this is a policy exception, not a rules exception, to putting an object on top of the stack, and that's miss triggers when we when you put them on the stack and put them on the bottom of the stack. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It doesn't it doesn't right. come up very often. Yeah. Usually, when there's a miss trigger, the stack is empty. But if it should not be empty, you right. put it on the bottom. Well, what happens if uh, I have two pancakes coming at the exact same time? Well, I get to choose oh. whether I want my chocolate chip pancake or my banana pancake to go on top. Well, what if you and I, so the stack is a shared zone we talked about, right? Yes. So, what, so what if your pancake and my pancake were on top of each other? Yeah, what if our, both of us have pancakes coming at the exact same time and we're only sharing one plate because that's the stack? Well, obviously the active player, the one holding the griddle, Mm -hmm. get uh, uh puts their pancake on first okay and then the uh then the person who's not holding the griddle gets to put theirs on okay oh, that's, so, that's just etiquette that way you let the guests eat their pancake yeah first. so, right. it's, so it's if nothing etiquette. so if no more pancakes were forthcoming i would eat my pancake first being that i am the guest in this situation exactly he, so and you, brian you has the griddle my house you come yeah. over to my house i gotta let you eat your pancakes first but you only so, have one plate Yes, right. <laughs> I'm a bachelor. Okay. <laughs> all the other plates are in the are in the dish are in the are in the sink. They're all in the dishwasher, which hasn't been run yet, of course. <laughs> uh, and probably those pancakes were made with eggs that may or may not have expired a few days ago. <laughs> Maybe. So yeah, how do I know it's my turn to eat the top pancake? Basically. <laughs> Brian puts a pancake on the stack. Okay. And then, then I put my pancake on the stack. Uh-huh. And then you eat your pancake? Yeah. Then well, but we why? Both what? Have, we both have an opportunity to put a new pancake on the stack. Sure. I get I get to put my pancake on because I got the griddle. And then if I don't, you can. And if you don't, then I get to eat my pancake. Ah, okay. So what, both... what, if, what if I have more than one guest? And what if I've got like three or four people sitting around the table? Then we just go around. Man, I don't got this many eggs, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, pro I probably do. I have a lot of eggs, actually, and none of them are expired. For the record. For the record. <laughs> for the record. Just for the listeners at home in case they were worried about the state of Jess's refrigerator. I eat so many eggs. It's probably unhealthy. Really? Jess's eggs are... 
All right, so just to be very clear, the pancakes in these examples represent spells or abilities. And uh, what we're saying is whenever all the players pass in succession, the top object on the stack resolves or gets eaten, depending on how it goes. And then players will get priority in between each of the pancakes being eaten. So there are some things that don't use the stack. Some pancakes you can eat without putting on a plate. Okay. Because they're just so good. These aren't really pancakes. These are more like... They're waffles. Sometimes. Or silver toast. French toast. I mean, sometimes sometimes if your pancake's bad, you can take it off the stack. Like, if you you could counter your pancake and remove it from the middle of the stack. But... You, you like this, this, so this is what happens if I make a pancake for a guy and the guy leaves before the it's her, his turn to eat the pancake. We got to put it in the graveyard because it's an illegal target. <laughs> oh, man. you're doing like multiplayer rules now, right? You... <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Bill's pancake. So first off, effects don't go on the stack, but I think that's, you know. All creatures get plus one plus one. That's not going to go on the stack. That's that's pretty easy. Crusades ability yeah. doesn't go on the stack. Yes. Crusade does, but not Crusades ability. Um, uh, yep. Yeah. Let's see. Okay, mana abilities. Yeah. Those, those. So those are activated abilities. Okay. If you look at it, it has a, a, a colon. Tap colon. Add green mana to your mana pool. Uh, that is an ability, but since it is a mana ability. You activate it, and it resolves immediately. It does not use the stack. It's that pan of bacon off to the side that you just grab a bacon out of and eat without even messing with it on your plate. Inner special actions? What? What? Oh, sorry. Yeah, special actions. I thought you were relating special actions to some form of breakfast food. Yeah, bacon. Oh, bacon is mana abilities. Which is suspect? Isn't that a special action? This is not no. a special action. I'm sorry. Activating a mana ability during <laughs> some of the stupid. Yeah, anyway. I'm sorry. You're right, right, right. Anyway, so so that's not relevant to actually to this topic. But <laughs> I think uh, our analogy. If we'd had show notes, we could have thought the breakfast food analogy <laughs> out better. Yeah. Actually, I really like this analogy. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so making me hungry. <laughs> but tell me, I have a I have a face down French toast off to the side here. And I want to make it a face-up French toast. Do I need to put that onto the stack of pancakes to do it? No. 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 Because it's it's over there sitting on the counter because we don't have any more plates. So you just flip it over. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> an egg would have been better there, uh, sunny side up. But the point is, special actions don't use the stack, and uh, there's a bunch of special actions. But turning face up is is one of them. Um, just no special actions use the stack. Turn-based actions don't use the stack, so like drawing your card at the start of the turn, or... Discarding at the end of turn. Assigning combat damage. All of these things, uh, untapping permanence, phasing in permanence, they don't use the stack. And along the same lines, neither do state-based actions. So if a creature has three damage on it, and it's a 3-3... That doesn't use the stack. It's just we check state-based actions uh, whenever someone would re- receive priority, and we would kill that creature. But it doesn't use the stack at all. People can't respond to that. It can't People can't be like, well, in response to your creature dying, I will do this or whatever. Uh, I think this next one's important is that conceding the game. You can do this at any point. 
you don't need priority and it doesn't go on the stack you're like i don't i can eat <laughs> no like, more I'm pancakes full, i'm yeah, done i'm done in, in response to you being done i'm gonna shove more pancakes down your throat nope it doesn't work you get nope. to walk out any moment you want anytime you want anytime you want even if even if you have a platinum angel and it's an all-you-can-eat buffet <laughs> even yes. if you have a platinum angel yes even if you have a platinum angel and then some multiplayer stuff <laughs> all right exile exile also known as the remove from game used to be used to be yep so this is this is really just it's it's in a lot of ways it's almost like you know the graveyard only harder to access okay because it's it's a holding area for objects so it's like my swiss bank account do I don't actually have a Swiss bank account. No, <laughs> it's like it's like the closet in my garage. I just shove things in there that I really don't want to think about until next Christmas, and I have to pull the lights and stuff out. Um, yeah, but it's it's just it's just another it's another holding area for objects. Um, it's harder to get things out of it than the graveyard is, but but if you need to like remove things from the battlefield for a period of time and then bring them back, exile is a great place to just shove them in for a little while, get them out of the way, do a little bit of cleaning, and bring them back in. Um, so to exile an object uh, is to put it in the exile zone, which is you know probably somewhere on your playmat, you know over there to the side by the battlefield. You just pick it up. And you put it in the exile zone, and hey, it's been exiled. Um, by Go default, ahead. sorry, sorry. Uh, by default, uh, when you exile something, it's going to be face up, so everybody can see what it is that it's exiled. Um, some cards uh, tell you to uh, exile the cards face down, um, and if they do tell you to exile them face down, they will, the ability that exiled them face down will tell you whether or not, or the card that did that will tell you whether or not you get to look at those cards. And in some cases, some cases it will let your opponent look at them and not you. Right. So, so the, your ability to look at those exiled face down cards will be specified, uh, right. in either the ability or the card that did that. Um, now one thing that's, that's kind of neat is, once you've been allowed to look at now, now some, sometimes this is this is your exile because it's to keep it kind of like an element of surprise. Um, but if an ability lets you look at those cards face down, um, that ab you are going to be allowed to look at those cards face down, even if the ability that granted you that ability to look at them is gone. I used ability way too many times there. So. Um, an example of this would be uh, hideaway lands. Well, hideaway lands actually say the hideaway ability actually spells that out. I'm trying to think of um of a uh, thief. Yeah, it was a blue black thief that let you exile cards face down and then told you you could look at them. Mm -hmm. And then uh, if that thief gets killed, you can still look at those cards face down. Now, what's really weird about this is like. I'm, I'm having trouble remembering what this thief. Uh, uh, an example of this would be like Colfinner's plans. If Colfinner's plans gets destroyed, you could still look at the cards. Uh, it exiles a bunch of cards face down, and you can look at them. It's an enchantment. 
Yeah, Colfinner's plan. And there's a battlefield exile at the top. You may look. Yeah, now here's something that's even cooler about this. This is this is one of those little neat things, and this works with hideaway lands and anything like that. So I cast Colfinner's plan that says when Colfinner's plan enters the battlefield, exile the top seven cards of your library face down. And then it says you may look at and play uh, cards exiled with Colfinner's plan. So if I play Colfinner's plan and then you steal it, Okay, you can now look at those cards face down. Okay, now I destroy Colferner's plans. We can, even though neither one of us can cast those cards, we can both look at those face down exile cards. Because it's, it's funny you bring that up, because <clears throat> the only deck that ever played Colferner's plans actually did give control of it to their opponent. <laughs> yeah. The, um,. <laughs> Colfiner's plan, uh, the thief that lets you that lets you look at the cards. The hideaway lands actually say it in the rules text for hideaway lands, but this rule kind of makes that 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 bit redundant. Um, but and this was a a I'm gonna say a semi recent change. This is within the last two years Bane that Alley they broker. that they made this change. What's that? Bane Alley broker. Bane Alley broker. <laughs> that was, got uh, there. Thank you. Yes, I kept it looking was, for it into Return to Ravnica. I'm like, why isn't it coming up? What's going on? Wasn't it in? It was in one of the Ravnica. It's in Gate Crash. That was. Ah. I was like, "How are there no blue black creatures in all of Return to Ravnica?" And then... <laughs> Makes all sense. right. So um, let's see. Exile cards that might return to the battlefield or any other zone should be kept in separate piles to keep track of their respective ways of returning. Because things that things that go into exile, they might come back out of exile in different ways. You know. Um, a, a, a thing that people do is um, if they play one of those Oblivion Rings, they'll leave Ban the... Banishing Light would be the current one. Sorry, Banishing Light. Uh, they'll just tend to stick that card right underneath the Banishing Light. That card's in exile, um, and you are using the Banishing Light to track its way of returning. Well, uh... So, like, yeah, so, so you could have... <clears throat> This is important when you have multiple banishing lights. You keep them in separate piles. Even if you don't put them under the banishing light, you have to keep them in separate piles so you know which one is which. Right. And then if you have you have banishing lights and hideaway lands. And, and a Colfinner's plans. And Colfinner's plans and a void maw, then, you know, you keep them all separate. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I, th I think we've beat this one to death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's anything else to say about Exile. To be 100 honest, uh, there there is. A, so I don't know if you mentioned. I know we've joked about it, but I don't know if we've specifically stated the the uh, remove from the game thing. Yeah, uh, concisely. So there are older cards that say to remove something from the game, and those have all been reworded in the Oracle text, the official text, to say exile whatever it was that was being removed from the game. Uh, now, this is functionally no different except for, I think, six cards, which are called Wishes. And they say to do something with a thing that was removed from the game. And now they say to do something with an exiled card. So you can't... Or no, they still say outside the game, don't they? The Wishes, they, they say, the wishes, wishes still, still say outside the game. Yeah, yeah. so they say get, get a card from outside the game. So you cannot get things that are exiled with, with say, Glittering Wish in Modern. You have to get something from your sideboard and only your sideboard. So before before we leave Exile, I want to talk about tokens. Okay. Okay, okay so um, 
tokens tokens are on the battlefield right um if a token were to leave the battlefield okay um then it is going to cease to exist when state-based actions are checked so if you exile you know if you have an ability that says exile target creature then you're gonna and you exile a token you're gonna pick that token up you're gonna put it in exile and then the next time state-based actions are gonna check it, it's gonna go poof most people are just gonna pick the token up and put it back in their in their deck box um there are a few cards that say hey exile exile that creature and then bring it back to the battlefield and it all says that's on one in one spell so there's no opportunity for state-based actions to be checked in between so you go okay great my token is gonna go to exile and come right back because state-based actions are never checked well no that's not actually the case because there's a rule that says if uh, um, uh, tokens can't enter the battlefield uh, from exile or anywhere or anywhere really Ex yeah they can be created on the battlefield, but that's it. We should also, I guess, mention the fact that, like, um, in Exile, so, and I think Je one of you guys touched on this earlier, is, uh, so on the stack, things have an owner and things have a controller, but in Exile, nothing has a uh, controller at all because it's a, a shared zone. Um, right. They, well, they it's, it's, no, no, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not, not a, <laughs> yeah, they just don't, they have an owner only because your controller yeah. doesn't exist. Except for on the battlefield stack, there are sometimes things that that where that comes into play. Oh, apocrysite. Mm -hmm. Yes, apocrysite. Yeah, All right, let's make a commanding finish here. Oh. Ah, the command zone. The command zone is kind of like a catch-all zone where they're like, we needed a zone to put things where people couldn't interact with it at all, and so I I would assume because this game commander is already using this zone. Let's just keep using that zone. Which uh, is funny because I, I'm pretty sure the command zone is invented before Commander was a game. You think so? Uh, I'm pretty sure. What was in it? Uh, emblems. No. Uh, Commander came before emblems. Did it? Yeah. 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 That's what okay. I'm saying. That's why. Oh, that's right, right, right. Because Elspeth wasn't, didn't have an emblem. Yeah. The, El the original printing of Elspeth was not an emblem. Okay. I think, I think what happened was uh, they created because... Did, did plane chase yes. predate commander emblems emblems uh i don't know the answer to that so so i think i think what happened was when when magic turned edh into commander when magic turned the, evil yeah <laughs> uh, which funny they they had to change just as an aside this is great they had to change the name from edh because edh is named elder dragon highlander highlander being you know the mcclouds and and the immortals and there can be only one haha <laughs> get it that's why there's only one uh car uh so that's not an intellectual property that wizards owns so they couldn't really call it that right so, uh, yep now it's commander and i think when they when they did the 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 formal name change that's when they uh, uh, created the command zone, you know, and they kind of formalized it a little bit. And then they were like, "Hey, we could we can shove plane chase planes in there, and we can these emblem things that we're gonna create." So yeah, so that's the main purpose of the command zone is no, you can't destroy a emblem or anything like that. Emblems aren't permanents anyway, so yeah, there's there's nothing in the command zone that you can interact with. Yep. 
Uh, I say that, and then you're going to be like, well, what about the, the, the mind raiser, the, the thing that gains you life while it's in the command zone? You're still not. Th- things can trigger from the command zone, but you can't, like, target things in the command zone, you know. Yeah. Nothing that does anything. Mostly because they're not. See, you're going. scaring me because you're saying all this right before spoilers for a new set. I know. Yes, yes. <laughs> Dragons, Dragons of, Tarkir. of Tarkir is, you know, you're... Dragons in the command zone. Yeah, I... I, I... I mean, we might get those Elder Dragons for that Highlander game. <laughs> that would actually be really, really cool. If Dragons of Tarkir somehow, like, you found out what happened to Arcadia Sabbath and Vivictus as Mahdi <laughs> and Palladium Wars. Come on, come on, CJ. Give me props for they were, remembering. They were killed by Nicol Bolas. All of them? Really? Yeah, it's, it's, we already it know what happened Nicol to It was Nicol Bolas the whole time. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, basically there was the storyline for everything. Chromium. In no, yeah. Chromium got away. There's some old Didn't comic he? books uh, that cover all that. I don't own them, unfortunately. But I, I have a feeling this is this is this is uh, material for an episode of uh, Card Advantage, isn't it? We already talked about it. That's how I know so much. When, oh, when we had shit. the Nicol Bolas episode on oh. Card Advantage, uh, we covered that briefly. Oh, OK. I stand corrected. It was about as rambly as this episode. All right. Let's do some news, huh? I had one bit of news I wanted to discuss, and I remember it without the show notes. Oh, awesome. sweet. What is it? <laughs> we have a new level four judge. We do? Who? Alfonso Bueno. Hey. See, I even remembered his name without yep. show notes. Former former RC of Spain. Or he might actually still be the RC of Spain. I think Spain. he's technically right now still the RC, but it's been, you know, the practice in the past that when someone became level four, they stopped being RC after a little bit. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, congrats to him. He's going to be in charge of communication, program communication. That'll be like his area of expertise. Interesting. And so I'm really looking forward to that. I think that program communication is something that I want to see a lot of focus on. So I'm excited. Yeah. yeah. OK, I have I have one more thing All right. uh, for news. Um the Friday, February the 20th, you are probably listening to this on the 26th of February because CJ's really good about getting these out on Thursday, and you are a good JudgeCast listener, and you listen to it the instant this becomes available on iTunes. Yep. Um, February 28th is the last day to submit exemplar recognitions uh, for this Wave 2. So if you are an L2 Plus judge, you can log on to apps.magicjudges.org and on that sidebar where you have all those little handy dandy little things that you links that you click on towards the bottom, there will be exemplar recos. And there is a wonderful GUI that uh, Gavin Duggan uh, made where it will allow you to select who your recos are from pick lists and it'll keep track of how many you got left of what type and you'll be able to see them and uh february 28th whatever you got written down there is going to be kind of going to become final and use it or lose it man this is your opportunity to point out and to recognize publicly something that another judge has done that has impacted you or made a positive impact in some way and you want to say hey good job and i want people to see that i'm saying good job and don't forget l2s we get to do one this time too yes we get to do one for a level one and one for uh, any level yep so and i i highly recommend that you use those Mm -hmm. for a judge that you actually want to recommend, you should not use those just because you have them. 
Um, if you are a level two judge, you get the, the, I think it's just the two recommendations, right, CJ? Yep. It's just the two recommendations. If you've only got one judge that you work with, you want to recognize that is just fine. Don't just throw somebody out there because that cheapens the whole system. Yeah. But on the same, on the same side, I would say, I really doubt that like if you're a level two out there and you're like, I don't know who to give this to. I really doubt that you've worked with nobody who is exemplary at all. Period. Also yeah. true. <laughs> so yeah, this is this is this is the whole thing where you get to decide what you value in the program, and you get to shout out and recognize someone that you think did something good, uh, and it could be it could be anything, uh, so long as it's it's program program relevant and made an impact on you. It should also be mentioned that whatever you write will be public. Yes. Yes. And and and, you know, and and we'll look at them beforehand to make sure that there aren't any trolls or circle of bros or anything like that. Yeah, um, but the judge cast circle recommendation is still going on, right? Well, CJC, so, you kind of you kind of broke that because you only get to reco like one. Well, no, I'm not proposing a triangle. I'm proposing a circle. Oh. <laughs> Jess recommends Brian. Brian recommends so, me. I recommend Jess. So I'm going to point out right now that CJ is joking. And for the last wave, <laughs> for the last wave, we we actually agreed not to do that, and I'm pretty sure that agreement goes moving forward. Yes. Is that right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, because that's not what this program is about. No. Uh, so so we welcome the recommendations, but we're not sitting here recommending each other, and 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 so it's clear that's not what any of the other uh, the the other level three judges are doing either. So don't do that with you and your friends or whatever. They're really not. I mean, like I said, it's all public and, and people are able to go look at the wave one recommendations. It, it really like there was a lot of doom and gloom about this circle of bros thing happening. And I, I didn't see it at all. Right. All right. <clears throat> Emails. Emails. Mailbag. Yes, exactly. All right. Our first email comes from Eric. He he says, I was just listening to your latest episode. Be kind. Don't rewind and came upon the part where the card isn't verifiable if it goes to the hand. Unless there's only one card in hand. So this is talking about the um, the uh, quote-unquote failure to reveal upgrade clause, mm -hmm. I believe. He says, <clears throat> let's say that Clues has two cards in hand, a Treasure Cruise and a Traumatic Visions. So I don't know if Traumatic Visions is important here. Clues casts Treasure Cruise and draws three islands. Then Clues basic land cycles the Traumatic Visions and gets an island, but forgets to reveal it before putting it into his hand. Is this still not a uniquely identifiable position? I understand that in order to verify, Clues would have to reveal the rest of the cards in his hand, but that's not, but that's better than getting a game loss, I think. Uh, Eric also went on to say that he heard Jess on Monday Night Magic and really enjoyed the episode. Well, thank you. I I enjoyed being on Monday, Ma Monday Night Magic, actually, um, despite the fact that I had a nasty cold coming back from DC. Oh. Um, so let's see. What do you guys think about this situation? I actually really like questions like this that challenge the way policy sits mm -hmm. and say, hey, does this work? Um, the way policy is written right now, I don't think that this changes the situation. No, it's it's not uniquely identifiable. Yeah. Um, and then uh, just revealing the hand is just not a, a fix that is given to us. So that's not something in the policy at all. Uh, so so uh, to answer the question, the policy does not say we can downgrade that. 
right? And you go the 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 question is, but if I reveal my whole hand, I can prove that what I drew had to have been an island. That's that's not something that we that we look at it because a, a situation or a case like that isn't something that. First off, it's not very common. Uh, the the second thing is that that's not something that any player can do. It's kind of really dependent on the contents of your hand. The second, the, the next thing is we don't allow players to like create their own fixes or to like over penalize themselves uh, uh, to try and get out of a fix. Like if you think about it, like person drawing extra like uh what is it the lsv situation uh from a year ago he was like comboing off and he mm -hmm. drew an extra card and he's like well you know i could just tap this mana over here and the drawing of the card becomes legal can i do that right 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 no that's that's not that's not a that's not a thing you we don't let you do something that you wouldn't have done uh, to to try and lessen the uh, uh, the penalty for yeah. for an infraction. The problem is once you start allowing this, then then it it doesn't get too far to where we're like, well, judge, I only have one island, only one basic land in hand. It must have been that, but that's not true because you know, if if you were going to cheat, that's exactly what you would do and say, oh, I got this island, but really you didn't get the island. Um, it I hate to say slippery slope, but slippery slope. Let's just stick to what the policy says. All right, next email from Mark. He says, hey, love the show. Learning loads as I'm listening back to the episodes and it's helped me as I work towards level two. I realize that drawing cards happens one at a time, but when returning cards, do you do this one at a time or all at once? And then he says, as an example, where he has Corsair of Crewfix out and casts Brainstorm, having him draw three and then put two back. So we actually touched on this a little bit when we were talking about our our uh, basking rootwalla yeah example. Um, so yes, you draw cards one at a time, but when you put them back, you put them back in all at once. So the order that you put them back in um, is is unknown if they're all face down, and if you have something like a like a courser out, well. I'm not going. Yes, I draw them one at a time. I'm going to get your opponent's going to get to see each one as you draw them. But for a brainstorm, when you put the uh, the two cards back, uh, he's only going to be able to see the one on top. Because when when and this is something that we didn't actually talk about so much in zones to to emphasize is a card is only ever in one zone. Yeah. There's okay. No, there's no transitionary there's, zone. Yeah. There's no transition area. So for the purpose of brainstorm, I have two cards in my hand. And then when they go to the top of the library, they immediately go, both go to the top of the library instantaneously. Boom. And so I go from having two cards in my hand to two cards on top of my library. One of them, the one on top, has to be revealed. Yeah. Cool. Let's do uh, one last email from Ryan. He says, hey, guys, insert cliche introduction here. You know, we kind of quashed the, um, the, the two kind introductions from emails, and now we don't get them anymore. Yeah, maybe it's, it's kind of sad. Maybe it's time to bring them back. Yeah, but we do get a lot of insert cliche introduction here. Yes. Like we get a lot of hand waving. Or we get a lot of, I'm not going to do a big introduction or that, but we don't actually get the big introductions anymore. <clears throat> I mean, we got a song out of one, so I guess it's not so bad. Right. We should probably play that again sometime, work that into an episode. All right, we will. All right, so this is, he says, it's Brother Ryan from Cast from Exile with a rules question that caused quite the commotion this weekend. 
Player A has a Chandra Pyromaster and activates its plus one targeting player B and then targeting one of player B's creatures. In response to that, player B casts God's Willing on the creature Chandra wanted to target, naming protection from red. <clears throat> At this point, a judge is called. Player A wants to know if said creature is still unable to block because of Chandra's ability. The judge rules that no, it cannot block in spite of the God's Willing, making it ineligible or illegal target for, of Chandra's ability. And then that was appealed and the head judge upheld the ruling. So let me read Chandra's ability real quick. Plus one. Chandra Pyromaster deals one damage to target player and damage and one damage up to one target creature that player controls. That creature can't block this turn. Yep. So we know that we know that the creature got protection from red. So it's not going to take the one damage from the, the Pyromaster's ability. Yeah, and I think everyone agrees with that. Right. So it's this is... A, yeah. the, the question is whether or not it gets to block, right? Yeah. So yes. so this is... I think this is a really good question. Uh, there was a situation that people probably remember from... Was this Innistrad? There, were, there was a card that said uh, tap two car, target creatures, they don't untap. Is there a... Theros it was Theros. Block. Yeah, sorry. Theros block. Uh, tap two card, card creatures. They don't untap during the next controllers. Uh, the controller's next untap step. And there was this weird situation where if you gave one of them protection or it became an illegal target, that it would uh, that it would still not untap. Um, and that's, I think, very similar to this situation. But they after that card was printed, they actually changed the rules to update this situation. Triton tactics. Yeah, Triton Tactics. Thank you. That's the name of that card. And uh, they actually um, they they changed it. They added a, a section to kind of close this loophole so that you can't change the rules in reference to that object, which is what it was doing, um, if it's no longer a legal target. So this creature will still be able to block, as I understand the rules uh, at this point. Yeah, so the judge's ruling was actually incorrect, but that's so narrow. Like the judge's ruling was correct like two years ago. Now, did you did you uh, not years ago? Not even two years ago. Did you year ago. actually see this happen, CJ, uh, on the coverage? I don't know if no. you were. I was not watching the coverage. So so as as it was described in the email, the ruling was incorrect. Not having been there, I don't know the details that's of the situation. True, but uh, but but as it was described in the email that was written to us, uh, this situation was probably ruled incorrectly. Yeah. Probably. Maybe the creature was also a um, unleashed creature. Uh, and, that's, and nobody I suppose in, that's in the, possible. Yeah, and nobody in the chat noticed that. Um, what? Unleashed. It can't block. Yeah, unleashed creatures can't block. See, because if you play your Rakdos Cackler and you play it with a counter on it, it's a Rakdos Attackler and it can't yeah. block. And if you play it with, <laughs> with without a counter on it, it's a Rakdos Blockler because you're not attacking. Like, I'm glad I set up a situation where you could bring up that joke again. <laughs> so was that was that was that actually what was? Never mind. No, no, that wasn't actually no. true. Okay, I was uh, gonna say it was like, yeah. I don't even think this was modern. Like, I don't even think. Yeah, okay, is legal. So, so yeah, so this is this is they changed it with the Born of the Gods rules update with without a whole lot of fanfare. Yeah, it was and just kind of just stuck away in there. It's it's one of these things where it's it changed a, a 20 year or since sixth edition 
you know, how to handle these rules uh, in situations like this that don't come up all that often. So, eh, you know. Yeah. It's hard to be that mad. Well, I mean, if it it's not hard your, to be mad. If it costs you really game. If I was the player, yeah. Like, yeah. But, that'd be unfortunate. Fortunately, the head judge is the final arbiter of the interpretation of all rules. That's true. So, so he was right. He was right. <laughs> Even if the um, rules didn't agree with him. Yeah, I, I mean, unfortunately, mistakes happen. Yeah. So I have definitely, even since getting level three, made mistakes as a head judge. And I wish I hadn't, but I, I have. I would have made this mistake. Um, I've made even more obvious mistakes. I'm not going to go into details. Yeah. It's kind of embarrassing, but I've, I, I've, I've made, made mistakes. I made a mistake that is answered on the rulings of the card on Gather. And I'm like, oh, that's the uh, worst. And I don't usually make mistakes, but it can happen. So uh, judges are human, too. Uh, so, yeah, I think we've spent enough time on that topic. Yeah. And we spend enough time on all topics. So if you want to contact us, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast or subscribe to our Tumblr. Is that the word? Yeah. Is do you yeah. subscribe to a Tumblr? Which uh, we got one subscriber fo fo today. Follow. And if you, join. you know, I have a question. Uh, if, if you just for our listeners, if you want to email in. Um, just what kind of content you'd like to see from us in the future? Would you like to see us be more active on Twitter or any of our, you know, what, what do you want to see judge cast do in the future? Um, if there's anything we can do that's easy, we can do it. You know, I, I also have a request from our, for our listeners. Can, leave us a review on, uh, iTunes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Actually, that's absolutely. Very... Leave us a review on iTunes. We only have I would like, like four. Right. And one of them's from me. <laughs> If you're leaving a review on iTunes, leave it under the Judge Cast feed, not the MTG Cast sub feed, um, just because that's an easier place. But you can do both. We, yeah, do both. We, but you know, we want our credit on our feed. Yeah, yeah. And does does Stitcher have a way of Ugh. of rating? Who knows? Who knows if anyone even still listens on Stitcher? <laughs> I'd be interested to know if anybody listens on Stitcher. So, yeah, we're also on Zoom. Are we? Is Zoom still a thing? I guess. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I There's mean, basically, if you contact me and you're like, hey, can you add us to this service? And if that service, all they require is an RSS feed, then yeah, I'll add you. I'll add it to any service that anyone asks for. All right, guys. So anything else to add before we wrap this baby up? Nope. All right. Thank you all for being with me as always. And thank you all for listening. It's an interesting episode. My name's CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. Dunks, I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman. I keep it. And then this is probably a short enough topic that we can we can go deep and do emails and still end at a reasonable time. Yeah, we always think <clears> that. Uh, yeah, this this is not we can't go deep if we want this to be short. Like, well, I don't think we can. I don't think you can really go deep. Well, you just said go deep. <laughs>